Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the first of the month, February, as we are just a couple weeks away from the All-Star break. Standing still bunched up. Actually got a good story on that coming up here soon. Well, maybe going into break. Parody everywhere. It's been a theme all season. Got some good games that came off of on Tuesday night. Lakers going into New York, having a lead, blowing a lead, going into overtime, and then reclaiming the lead. LeBron James in the garden, less than 90 points away now from breaking the record of Will Chamberlain, something we haven't talked about nearly enough on this podcast, other than the trade and hoopla stuff that we will get into. But the King is just playing on another level right now, guys. Clippers, Kawhi Leonard. 11 straight with 24 points or more. They're moving on up the standings. How about the Wizards? Even though the Rui Achimura trade is working out for the Lakers, doesn't mean it hasn't worked for the Wiz. They're on a winning streak. Kuz. How about Denny Avdia coming off a 25-point night on Monday? Nuggets. Somehow we're not paying attention to them, but they're at the top of the mountain. Even though they got some trade stuff going on, possibly with Bones Highland, who's looking for a bigger role. You've got guys just absolutely playing the greatest basketball that they've seen since they're all healthy. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and of course, the Joker, Nikola Jokic. Not sure if you saw that last night, Brian, but he had two stupid passes. He had one that literally went off the backboard that I'm pretty sure was on purpose to one of his teammates for a dunk. And then he had one where it looked like the ball slipped out of his hands and it turned into an alley-oop. That dude's just crazy good. But we're talking about it all here on Keeping It 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, another episode. Courtesy of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. And Brian, I got to tell you, covering that Cavs Heat game last night, the Heat are another team that people are still trying to figure out. You know, they've, tell me if you've heard this one before, but they haven't been healthy all year. And then now it's getting into the second half of the year, more like the the second third of the year. And they're starting to pick up steam. They did lose in Charlotte the other night. That was kind of an anomaly. But they come into Cleveland. They want it more. Bam at a bio rec shop. Jimmy Butler hits the clutch shots. Caleb Martin has a career night. And they come into Cleveland and beat a team that has only lost five at home. So that was, you know, a big time step for them. Cavs still learning how to play in these games with those types of squads. 
But Miami's starting to climb up the standings too. So we talked about who the hell are these teams last week. I'm trying to get that answer. Again, I'm going to do an article on it. But did you have a chance to watch that game last night? If not, I can describe what I saw. But I feel like we haven't really talked about the Heat and Cavs too much this year. I saw most of the highlights, and I saw a little bit down the stretch. And it's funny because that was a game that I really wondered if Cleveland was going to kind of take control of it down the stretch. But instead, it was Jimmy Butler again, the Heat. And that is one of those games where you could really see experience take control of a game. And it's one of those things where the Cavs are still kind of figuring it out. They're a younger team. They do have like Donovan Mitchell, who obviously has plenty of experience, but it's still some growing pains for the Cavs. And this is what this year was going to be was a year of growing pains. But at the same time, it's been a huge year of growth. And I think what they're still trying to figure out is, can we get through these growing pains to put together a really good playoff run? Of course, we're all looking at the future for the Cavs when it comes to like next year and beyond. but. I still think that they want to go through all of this and try to work it all out before they even get to the playoffs because they they still have a really good chance, I think, of doing some damage in the postseason this year. Yeah, and I think the Cavs' biggest problem last night was they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn uh, with the three-point shot. And we know that Miami likes to to play that 2-3 zone a lot, right? But it wasn't just the zone that was stifling them, man. They were throwing man-to-man at them. They had some different types of packages, defensive schemes that Jared Allen even admitted was like, I mean, they were changing everything up on him. And uh, it it sounds like just by the temperature of the locker room that the guys understand the bigger picture. And uh, we asked Donovan Mitchell about that on practice a couple days ago. But at the same time, it's where they want to stop talking about that. They want to start moving forward and and start to learn from these experiences that they've had down the stretch and stuff like that. And they've they've been better, um, but they haven't won a... They haven't won consecutive games since um, the beginning of January. So I don't think that's anything, you know, that we can't take as being a part of what this team's going through right now because it's, um, you're going to have to start trying to separate yourself. But again, there's so many teams in the NBA in general that are trying to figure it out in that manner. Uh, But for the Cavs, for me, I, I think... It's it's hard when you don't have the the personnel to shoot the basketball well enough. But I mean, again, it could have been a, a an anomaly. They did just get Dean Wade back. I'm still looking for his legs a little bit. Um, you know, the, Ricky Rubio uh, is really pushing the tempo and is a very big positive off the bench. Uh, Karis Levert, it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to get uh, offensively on a night to night basis. He has been uh, tremendous. Um, with the energy, he hustles his ass off. And it's got to be hard for him because he's constantly in the trade rumor mill. You're seeing the steps that Evan Mobley's taken to to really impose his will when he catches the ball instead of looking to immediately spray it out. But matter of the fact is, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell aren't on their game from the perimeter. And they combined for 5 of 20 from deep against the Heat. And those pull-ups aren't going down then they're going to have a tough time. That's just how the game works sometimes. And, and you look at the opposite side, I, I could not have been more impressed with how Jimmy and Bam were the catalysts of that fourth quarter for them. 
Uh, and you got to give credit to Tyler Hero, too. Um, stepped up, make some big shots. Uh, gave Vincent as well. But Bam was just consistently giving them opportunity after opportunity down, down the stretch um, and just keeping possessions alive. And it wasn't perfect by any means. But it was just the the, the prototypical, here's the Miami Heat. They're going to outgrit you. They're going to outwork you. And uh, they did that on the Cavs' home floor last night. And they're totally comfortable with playing in close games. And that's something that they've oh, yeah. done for a long time is they, they want to get into were, those they close games. They talked about that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, and, and they're like, we're, we're, they'll, they'll bully you. They'll go slow. They just want to break you down methodically and almost like frustrate you in the process. That's what the Miami Heat do. That's what they've done for several years now. And, you know, they're one of those anomaly teams where you're sitting there going, okay, how good exactly are they? You know, we, we know who they've got. We know that they've been battle tested, but they've been so banged up. Like, is this a team that can really do something if and when they get healthy? Is this a team that's going to be active at the trade deadline, try to do something? Or are they kind of stuck where they're at because they have limited assets? So they're a team I would say to look at. I don't know exactly what they would do, but, you know, you, you can't put them too far back in your rearview mirror. No. You you there you know that's the thing about the league I think this year especially is that like there's very few nights off but you definitely yeah. cannot do it against the Miami Heat you definitely cannot no. do it against the Heat no they're they're way too they've been to this song and dance they've been through it right and you know they even got guys like Victor Oladipo looking in prime shape uh God it's so it's such a such a blessing to be able to see that guy getting up and down the floor. Now I will say I did see him limping a little bit in the locker room, <laughs> but he was He's always uh, limping though. Isn't he? He was terrific. He was terrific in that game. And uh looks like he's got his burst back. Um, and it's not even just the points. We know what he can do. Um, you know, what he was able to do when he had the burst and, you know, shooting the three and whatnot. Uh, but it just looks physically like he's back to himself. And, um, you know, there, there haven't been any setbacks. Um, you know, the jump shot will come when he gets more lift. I understand that the threes aren't falling, but like he's still making a huge impact on winning right now. And uh, that comes um, on the defensive end. That comes out in transition, uh, making plays for his teammates uh, and, you know, crashing the glass. So I think, uh, you know, having that kind of player coming off the bench for you can be you know, only a positive, um, especially because Tyler Hero's in your starting lineup, right? Like, so Tyler Hero used to be your sixth man. Now it looks like they're trying to, you know, kind of mold Victor to being that. Gabe Vincent, too, as, as well. Um, when Gabe's healthy, um, and we know what Gabe did on national television a few weeks ago uh, with that big performance. Um, so I think uh, I like the Heat. I do. Uh, can I promptly say that they're going to be this, you know, top four seed. I don't know because everyone's separated by three games. So, uh, but you know, it was good to get a close up look at the real Miami heat after Miami came in to Cleveland um, the first time and Jimmy Butler wasn't playing and they had, you know, kind of a, a down roster, so to speak uh, to see them come in with a full, you know, full cast uh, is able to actually watch them. And again, Defensively, the communication is just off the roof between both them and Cleveland, man. And and watching people rotate, help the helper, 
contest shots. It's just, I love watching defense. And I know people see the 197 and they're like, what are you going back to 1995? I don't care. I love those types of, of, of gritty games. And I, I know it's offensively charged these days. So um, it's kind of interesting to see that actually uh, in a live environment. And it's, you know, looking at the East, you can really see some separation in the top teams. I, I know that the Nets are only four and a half back and the, the Cavs are six, but when you were really yeah, considering the that East, separation, consider, considering the West. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the, the West, I mean, there's separation with the two top teams yeah. and then everybody else, you know, is six back or more. But, you know, there's only five games that separate the three through the 13. But, you know, the Celtics, you know, still have the best record in the league. The Bucks have been red hot as of late, even without Bobby Portis. They've won five in a row. And then the Sixers, you know, the team that everybody should be taking a lot more notice of. You know, they got the big win against the Nuggets over the weekend. They've won 12 of 15. I mean, they they had a bad loss the other night, but, you know, I think I think they were just so up for the Nuggets game. And, and Joel had a marquee showing, you know, when it came to the big matchup between himself and Jokic. And Joel, you know, dominated in that game. And, you know, for all the people saying, well, like, you know, you know, he's, he doesn't like to talk about it too much. You know, he's upset that he's not a starter in the all-star game. You know that he's upset that more people aren't talking about him as an MVP candidate. But he went out there and he showed, you know, why he is, you know, one of the elite of the elite players in the NBA. And it was a big game. You know, taking on the bully team ball, the- man, bully ball and getting to the line. That was what that, yeah. that that fourth quarter was all about that. I mean, Harden making big shots again. You know, we go back to a few weeks ago. When we were talking about it on the pod, man. Like they are a tough squad and they're deep. They're so, so deep. Matisse this is Thibel what the Sixers is giving do. them big minutes. Right. And that's. You know, it's funny because not to harp on this too much, but I found it a little curious that maybe they were shopping him. But, you know, I, who knows? I mean, here's the thing for the Sixers, what they're going to do at the trade deadline. I think they're going to make a trade. They're going to move something very small because they're only like a million and a half, like over the cap or whatever it is. So like if they can shed a little bit of salary, they'll, you know, they'll get paid like, was it like $16 million in the off season for being an under the cap team? So, you, you know, you know, they're going to, they're going to do something small, but I mean, that this makes is their sense. Squad. That, yeah. 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 I mean, no, and that, that I mean, makes plenty I mean, of sense. And I think one of the big things for them, well, the, the two biggest things that have happened this year, James Harden has come to the realization that the offense does not roll through him. It rolls through Joel Embiid and he's happy in being in that secondary role, you know, and catering his game around Joel. The other thing is that Tyrese Maxey has willingly accepted and thrived in a role coming off the bench, which is yep. not talked about that, you know, enough, especially for a younger guy like that. You would think like this guy's coming into his own. He wants to get his numbers, whatever coaching staff went to him and said, we play better with you coming off the bench. And you haven't heard him bicker, complain, any of that. He's accepted that role and he's thrived in that role. And the Sixers have played excellent with him in that role. Yeah, no, I have to agree. And, you know, Maxi, he's just a blur, man. He is a blur. He gets to the rim. The pull-up three is in transition. He just kind of fits 
what Harden and Embiid weren't before, and he's bringing them up with him when they're on the floor together. I don't know if you noticed that, but the pace picks up, and Embiid and Harden are playing with it. They're they're running right with them, and I think uh, Philly can really benefit from that up in the pace a little bit. It doesn't have to be every possession down, right? After every stop, you don't got to push it, right? Unless you have an advantage, of course. But we just know, we know Embiid and Harden have been half-court players pretty much their, pretty much the whole career. And to see them actually running the floor because of guys like Max, because of guys like DeAnthony Melton, right? It's kind of refreshing to see. And it's worked. It's worked for them. It's worked for the uh, the audience watching the games because it's entertaining. It's not always the foul grift. Golf clap. Good for them. And they're, the they're absolutely that, a contender. Oh, yes. I mean, but, but Philly is the team that I don't think gets enough attention for how good they are, but it is also the team that all eyes are going to be on when it comes to the playoffs because if they do not get out of the second round again, then you sit there and go, are there going to be major changes? Sure, but like, I, I hate that. Like, like I just, it, it, they're playing really well right now. They are. I, I don't they, see, they, the, I don't see the like. I feel like that's the first thing that comes to a lot of like fans' minds. Uh, is the, if they don't do this, then they're going to change everything. You know, like I, I hate that discourse because they're playing really well right now. Why are we talking about hypotheticals? You know, like well, you want to talk about the here and now, now, and other people let's focus on the now. Everybody, people want to talk about what could be changing in the off season. We're like, let's just mm-hmm. watch hoops right now and see what happens. Yeah, they they're playing a hell of a brand of basketball. That that yeah. that's that's what I'm looking at. I don't know. I was like, you could worry about May when May is here. It's February first. You know, let's talk about let's, uh, let's let, stay let in the it east. roll. Yeah, mm-hmm. but in the east too, you mentioned the Wizards. Who yeah. would have seen this coming? That they've now won six in a row and they're up to the nine seed and only two games under 500 where we thought, and a lot of people thought like, what kind of major changes are they going to make? And their front office, Tommy Shepard has said, we want to keep a core of Porzingis, Beal, and Kuzma. And they're playing better. I mean, they, they trade Rui. And I think what that did was it just kind of thinned out their forward rotation, give more minutes. It to other gave people, them an opportunity to, to give some other guys some time. Yes. And also I think and what it Abdi did Abdi too Abdi was the guy. Abdi is the guy. And also for Kuzma, it was, you know, even more what your role is. And it's just kind of like, we're rolling with you. Like they really made the commitment to him now, you know, when it comes to like, Hey, I know you're a free agent in the off season and you might want to be looking elsewhere, but we are committed. This is no joke. You know, and they traded Rui, and they've been playing a lot better since then. We'll see if they can keep it up. But, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to make some kind of run where they're going to, you know, be a three or four seed or anything like that. But, I mean, they, they, they put some things together here. They're, they're not yep. out of it, man. They're, they're playing a hell of a lot better, and we'll see if they can keep it going. How about, how about your man Kendrick Nunn, too? You know, he's getting time. He's playing 20 minutes a night. He's he had three was straight games where he's made better. five shots. I mean, he was playing pretty good with the Lakers, but the problem was it wasn't consistent minutes. And this sure. goes into, I mean, this is what NBA players want. Consistency. They want to know how many minutes in my night am I going to play? How am I going to be used? 
kind of what the rotation is, how are we starting a game? How are we ending a game? That's what yep. players want to know. And like, and what's my role within that system? And he's getting a regular role now of 20 minutes a night, the Wizards, which is something he was not getting with LA because there'll be nights where he's not playing at all. There'll be other nights where they needed him mm-hmm. to play and he would play 20 minutes a night. He had a couple of you know big games of the Lakers, but there was never any kind of consistency. He was the odd man out. And yeah. you know, it was time for him to go as well. And they made the move. And, you know, this is the guy that I think the Lakers thought they were going to get, you know, when they got him in the offseason, you know, before last season. And he's just working out better with the Wizards. Yep. And you know what else is helping, too? Corey Kispert's knocking down his threes. Not that he wasn't knocking them down at a decent rate before, but in January, he hit 47% of his trays. That's, that's big time. And he's getting to, you know, he's... He's, you know, been a floor spacer for them. He's kind of been a connecting type of player. Um, Kispert doesn't get all that too much too much credit, but, you know, when you are like the, the fifth guy in that lineup per se, right? Because we know the names in that starting lineup. <laughs> let's, not, let's not be, uh, you know, coy here. But when you are that guy, and if you don't play your role, then everyone's pointing the finger at you. So the fact that, you know, Kispert, you know, has been able to answer the, the bell the last couple of games, especially, um, has been big for them. Uh, I think Daniel Gafford, whenever he's gotten his, uh, you know, his starts in there and when people were hurt, he's been able to come in and step up. Um, I like I like the, the overall uh, the feel that, that they're bringing in just to, just in January in general. Um, and and also one of the one of the other players that I also always have to shout out, whatever team he's on, I don't care. Last year it was Atlanta, it's been Dallas, you know. But Delon Wright never gets enough love, uh, just the defensive impact that that guy has, and uh, he's kind of like a thankless veteran because he's consistently on different teams. I love that guy. I think Delon Wright could help any team in the league for sure, uh, just with his. His attention to detail on the defensive end, but also just the savagery of just being able to poke the ball away from you at any time, any given notice. When I look at the West, and we, that's the conference where I always talk about how bunched up they are. But, mm. you know, there's been so many questions about some of the teams like, why don't the Warriors look the same? What's going on with the Suns? And, oh, my God, is it time to blow up the Clippers? You know, and we can always be nope. a guilty party to some of that. But then... As the season goes on, a team gets healthy, and then look what happens. And then now you. When I I tell you about the Clippers too, bro, I'm I'm two for two. I I I stick to the Kings at the beginning of the year. You know the Clippers. Oh no, they're hovering around that 500 mark, and Kawhi looks like a robot again. (laughs) Right, and now they're four games over 500, and the Warriors and have slowly but surely gotten things a little bit back together, especially with Steph Curry being back. They're now big you know, win in OKC the other night. I, I watched that right. one from top to bottom. That was a great game. But they're the five seed. Clay was two hitting games some over. ridiculous shots. Oh yeah, but I mean they're two games over five hundred. The Suns are two games over five hundred. They're right behind them, and you know they've gotten Chris Paul back, and he's starting to look like Chris Paul again. You know they still don't have Devin Booker back, but you know they got Cam Johnson back as well, and he's been you know a big difference maker for them. Mikael Bridges continues mm-hmm. to play at a high level. So I mean the Suns getting healthy. Starting to put things together there. And they're going to be an interesting team to watch here before the trade deadline with new ownership taking over with Matt Ishbia 
and you know how aggressive are they going to be here before you know this deadline so i mean the suns are you know they're still there um and they're playing a lot better here over the last couple of weeks yeah no they are and i i think um you know you have to give a lot of credit to monte for keeping them together man like they came into cleveland and you know, I was just, you know, shooting the breeze with, with Mikel and asking him, like, you know, what do you think? He's like, well, he's like, well, first, you know, we're not healthy. And secondly, it's not going to rain forever unless you just sit there. Like, and uh, poignant words. Because, I mean, even for a week or two after that, it didn't change. And then, you know, you get Chris Paul, you know, into the, you know, it, back back healthy looking like Chris Paul. You get DeAndre Ayton, who had been, you know, dealing with some stuff. Like, it seemed like everyone was getting injured at the wrong time, too. Uh, you get a little bit healthier, man, and it happens. You know, the, this is how the league works. You go up and you go down, especially this season. And again, it's a, it, we could beat, it, it, beat, it, beat a dead horse, right? Uh, but this is just how the league has gone this year. And, you know, all of a sudden, their winners are six out of seven. And, uh, you know, they've got a big road trip coming up after they play the Hawks on Wednesday. They're going to be on the East Coast, and that's a long trip. You're, you know, that's a week-long trip. Uh, you're at Boston, and then you're at Detroit, Brooklyn, uh, Atlanta, and Indiana on a back-to-back. So winnable games, winnable games, um, especially, you know, with some of these teams that are depleted. So they're, they're right back there. But again, I, I can't pick who the hell's going to win. I can't pick who's going to win the East. I can't pick who's going to win the West. I have a general well, idea. I think the, the biggest surprise that has happened as of late is the fall of the Pelicans. And I know they don't have Zion and their, their troubles. They played better started, yesterday. I will say that they well, played better they did. In, in Denver. But I mean, and their issues yeah. started right before he went out with his hamstring injury and he's still out. But I mean, but not by much, but I mean, they've lost nine in a row and 14 mm-hmm. of their last 17. They are now the yeah, 10 tough. seed in the West. I mean, and this is a team that before that happened and the way that Zion was playing, you're sitting there going, man, this is a team that could really do some damage. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to be a top three team in the West. And it's amazing how one injury is affected. Now, mind you, they got, they were without Brandon Ingram for a while too, and they've gotten him back, but you would, it, it's still kind of crazy to think how much, They've struggled, you know, especially when Zion went down. And I think they're just, they're still trying to figure it out. I mean, and I don't know when Zion's coming back. I mean, hamstring injuries are tricky. So, you know, they had said at least a month, I believe. And I don't know if we're still a week away, two weeks away. My guess would be probably not until after the All-Star break. Um, But they desperately need him back. And yeah, they did play better last night. And they were leading the Nuggets for a lot of that game, but you know Denver's just too damn good with Jokic, and they came back and and they they took that game from them. Yep, yep. And I, I think you know most of this has to do with we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast reintegrating, especially a star, an all star into your lineup, right? Brandon Ingram. Now imagine them when they reintegrate Zion into that. Okay, imagine when they reintegrate Dyson Daniels, who's missing time with an ankle injury right now, right? It's it's not a perfect process, um, you know. It they have way too much talent to, you know, be on this bad of a stretch. But again, you're in the NBA. You have to pick it up, and they will. 
They will. Uh, I think I like when when they go small, and I think Willie Green likes when they go small. What that means for JV, I'm not sure because JV is great when you know you need a big body against somebody. Uh, but he's been going with some of these lineups where you know Larry Nance is at the five. He's been going to some lineups where you know Herb Jones is at the five. It, you know it. it they have a really long team. Uh, one thing I, I actually did read scrolling through Twitter is they have so many good complimentary pieces, right? But when those guys like Brandon Ingram aren't playing, Zion aren't playing, they show that they are those complimentary guys. They, you know, if you have to have to make them into an alpha, you have to make them into a ball handler to create their own shots or create shots for others then maybe that's not their biggest strength. And that's okay. There are players like that in the league. Imagine if Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and James Harden are hurt, right? You're going to expect P.J. Tucker to go out there and give you 30? Like, it's just, it just is how it is. Uh, luckily for the Pelicans, you know, C.J. McCollum has been able to, you know, kind of keep them afloat on the scoring end. And as, as the passer, he's been this season. Believe he's still averaging a career high in assists, and he's played point guard for more times than uh, he has in the past. Uh, but you know, guys like Herb Jones and Trey Murphy and Najee Marshall—they're great guys to keep the glue together. But they can't be the the quote unquote go to guys. I know Najee had that terrific stretch a couple weeks ago when he was asked to do that. But is it sustainable? It's tough. It's tough to sustain that. You, your depth needs to show. And uh, right now, they're just not, they're not getting it done. But again, uh, you got to be, be healthy for me to make a, a you know, a, an actual conclusion on you, which is tough because you can't make conclusions on many teams in the league right now because it hasn't been that way. And that's actually a part of the article that I'm going to be writing. Yeah. And the thing is, too, that as, you know, we sit here and we talk about this season, and even though there is a lot of parity, and even though there are teams scrunched up, especially in the West, that we're 50 games into the season. You know, we're coming up on almost two thirds of the way through the season, you know? So it's not like there's a lot of time left. It's not, it's not full blown red alert panic time, but I mean, this season we're well into the season. Now this is not like, Oh, well we got plenty of time to go. So it's like, no, this, this has got to be, you know, put foot on the gas and let's get things. 30 something games left, man. How crazy is that? That's that's what I'm dude. For most teams, it's about 32 games left. So I mean, you're yeah. almost two thirds of the way is basically 54 games. So mm -hmm. we're almost there, you know, with two thirds of the season gone. So it's just like there's not much time. I mean, you, you got to pick it up at some point, you know. It's because it's not you don't you don't want to be in that last, you know, four weeks where it's just like we're scrambling. You know, you want to be able to have a little bit of wiggle room. And and there's some teams right now that do not have any wiggle room. They, the NBA feels like a giant game of Django right now. It is. It really is. It's, it's like a whole balancing <laughs> act, which is like one little piece will come out and the whole thing crumbles. Um, and, and you know what? Unfortunately for the Pelicans, that's the way it's been lately without Zion. You know, I mean, the, the whole thing is crumble. You know, it doesn't mean they can't build it back. They, but they, I mean, the first step for them is getting Zion back probably, you know, which, you know, hopefully is sooner than later. Sure. No, I, I, 
have to agree with you there, man. And uh, I think you wanted to get into the uh, rumor mill, so we'll hit that. We obviously know that it's in eight days. Uh, deadline is going to be at 3 p.m. next Thursday. How tired um, are we of hearing the same stuff? The same names over and over, over again. and over and over. And it's the same kind of stuff like, well, it's this, well, it's that. I mean, it's funny because a lot of times in past trade deadlines, it doesn't always happen, but you hear more different names or a little scuttlebutt. But it's still, as much as people want to say like, ah, it's going to be slower this year, which sure seems like it's going to be. But things don't happen until the final days. Or the league we cover is essentially hours. TMZ. Yeah, I mean... But I mean, when it comes to actual trades happening, you know, what is it? Uh, the bulk of them do not happen until the final 48 hours before the trade deadline. And a lot of times, yeah. it's, not, it's even more condensed than that. It's like the last 24 hours. Because all we keep hearing is prices are high. Prices are high. Everybody wants the moon, the stars, the sun, and everything else, you know, for, for trades. I mean, when you start hearing rumors that Alex Caruso can command two first-round picks, you're like, wow, this market is hot. Um, but, but it's because there's some, this is what the play in tournament has done when it comes to the trade market. It's because there are teams that are still in it that say, you know what? We at least want to get into the play in tournament. you at least want to have that chance. We want to get that experience. We, we want to get a home court game so we can make money, all these different things, you know? Certainly. And, and this is where you're at right now is that there are way too many buyers and sellers. And the prices are high. Will they come down a little bit before the trade deadline? We really see like who's balking and who seriously is interested in making a move. Yeah, we'll find that out. But the prices are still going to be probably higher than what they normally would because there are so many teams that are in it. And it just depends. It takes one team to say, okay, we want to move off somebody that we were kind of hesitant to. And it takes one team to say, yeah, we're willing to hit that price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, all, all, that's it all it takes in this league, man. That's all it takes. What? Let's start with Toronto because they're the team that everybody talks about, and we've kind of wondered like who would they be interested in moving because this is a team that continues to struggle. Twenty three and twenty nine now. The sad part is they're not like I've watched the rat like just because I haven't watched them like the whole season. Like the last week, I've watched three straight Raptor games. And they actually play really. They they are a tough. They are a tough team. They are very physical. Long, we know that they have so many wings. What happens is that they end up not being able to match the big guys, right? Like they don't have the the guy in the middle with the muscle that's able to you know out outdo the the opposing team's center. Like that, I feel like is a it's a de- it's definitely a um, a disadvantage, and I think teams kind of understand that. That's why when I look at the Raptors, you you start hearing more and more about. Well, there's players that are upset; they're not getting along. The chemistry isn't there, you know. And it's not just one guy. You you keep hearing like there's a couple people. You never hear who these people are. Like, well, one of them we have, and that's OG. But mm-hmm. and he he flat out addressed and saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who knows what's real and what isn't from all of that. But sure. that is a team that people are looking at saying, okay, how aggressive are they going to be in possibly moving guys? But also they can make an addition. 
I mean, I could see them going out and making a deal where they got Jakob Pertl or they got some kind of a big that would help for this season. And going mm-hmm. forward, Pertl is a free agent. They'd have to resign him. But I, I could see that. But, you know, we sat there and said, okay, if they're going to trade anybody, you know, Gary Trent Jr. is the name that's been out there the most. People are wondering about Fred Van Vliet. You know, oh, he's changed agents. You know, they're going to clutch. What does that mean? But OG's name is coming up more and more as maybe a guy that they would move. And Masai Ujiri, he's a Spengali, man. He knows what he could get for that guy. He knows to wait to the last minute. And if he really wants to move him, he can. And he could probably get a King's ransom because you're talking two, maybe three first-round picks. I would assume that one of those picks would be pretty protected if something like that happened. But maybe he looks at this situation and says, we like OG a lot, but man, the value is just too high. There's too many teams that will pay, you know, a lot and uh, we'll move them. Not all first round picks are the same too. We got to remember that. Correct. Yes. So, but at the same time, we do know Rudy has just effectively screwed the market. Like just completely imploded it. Because Don't of blame what, Rudy. Blame, what, what blame the, the blame the Tipper Wolves for it. Blame right, the guy. Rudy trade. <laughs> the Rudy trade, not Rudy himself. My apologies, Rudy. Right. No. I am a supporter. But, By the way, but those, I mean, those, if, those Raptors that we were just talking about in the middle of a seven-game road trip. Yes. That doesn't help. No. And OG's and OG's but been they, they, up, they are too. three and two so far. They're three, they're 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 yeah. uh or, sorry, they're two and two so far. But OG has missed a couple of games here as well. But I mean Hey, if somebody wants to trade three first round picks, I think you got to take it seriously. And, you know, the Knicks were the team. The people immediately said they'd give up three first rounders, which, ooh, okay. Can I you got that too to something else. Do like, you want to relate that to Donovan Mitchell? No. Well, well, that's kind of what it did. You see the report this week? And remember, I've been talking this guy up and down since I started this podcast. Yeah. But did you see that the Mavs want a star player in return for Dorian Finney-Smith? You want a star player in return for three, my my favorite, but a three and D guy? You you want a star player in return for that? Well, they would, what? I think what it is is what? that Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith would be part of a package that would return a star player but he would have to be included. He's not somebody the Mavericks really want to trade, but they also understand they need another star player to pair with Luca, and they would have yes. to include and we've known this. Mm-hmm. Finney Smith in such a package, and there's not a shortage of teams um, that would not be interested in them. I don't know what the star player would be back in return, so highly doubtful that it's going to happen, but, you know, it's something to look at. Yeah, it's just if it if it's in a package that makes sense, but it's just like the wording that was just really really awkward, and I didn't understand. I, th- I thought they were like asking like one on one, like like well, you can't do that. That's not fair unless you have like a pick. I, I don't know, man. I don't yeah, know. How I mean, not only he's, he's on a very some good of these deal. execs have been oh. like really weird this year for some of the stuff that's been put out there. Oh yeah, I know, but. Going back to the OG thing, like, okay, the Knicks would be interested. They've got, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of picks. The Grizzlies, they've got a lot of picks, including the Warriors 2024 pick. They could do something there. Um, 
you know, but they're a team that typically isn't overly aggressive and loves their picks, which is something we've talked about before. You know, sure. Danny Green has been talked about as like, oh, they could package him and move him. But, you know, Danny is like, I'm about to come back. And I might, I might were, be seeing Danny Green's first game in so long, man. He's there. Right. The Memphis is in Cleveland tomorrow. And then but Danny they, is, they are, they are, in Atlanta, they're beating, they're playing Atlanta tonight. But well, I Danny mean. is a guy too that they believe like, if this guy can be right by the playoffs, you know, he's going to have an effect, a great effect for us on the court for what he can bring, stretching the floor, hitting threes, and playing defense. And having that, and they love having a veteran presence around the team, even in the locker room, even though with all the games he's missed. The other team that I would look for. Now you're talking about going after OG that has the assets would be the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. The Suns of the team with new ownership. They need another piece. You put OG in there. there. That that could (laughs) really be a difference. And it doesn't even include Jay Crowder. I mean, there's been talk about like Cam Cam Johnson for uh, Sarich plus picks. Because remember Cam Johnson and Sarich plus picks for OG. Yes. So in that scenario, the Raptors would get a younger guy in Cam Johnson, who's up for a contract. They don't even get a they big. Would get, they would get multiple first-round picks. Okay. And I mean, I can see the, the, the picks angle. Yeah. So that's something that I would, I would look at because that's one of those new owner coming in like, oh, man, look what I can do here kind of a, a thing, you know? Um, mm. So, I mean, when you look at those, I'm bringing them up right now, but like Sarge is in the final year of his deal. He makes 9 million and then Cam makes about six. So, I mean, the money works. He's got, he's got the extension kicking in, I'm sure next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, well, well, Cam Johnson, he is, he's going, you know, he has the team option for next year or he's on a qualifying offer um, for next year. So the qualifying Cam's offer a more 17 po- prolific scorer, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm I mean, just trying to Cam, my mind if I like that. Cam has got this qualifying offer 17.6 next year. So, I mean, he's another guy that could go into, you know, I mean, they're not going to lose him on free agency, but um, that's a deal that maybe makes sense. OG's got what another year left on his deal, I believe before he's up for free agency. But I mean, a lineup that, the Suns could use to close out games and even start games. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, OG Ananobi, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. Um, have fun scoring against that front line. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean that that makes some sense. But will the Suns you know meet that price? And do the Raptors really want to make that move? You know, that's one of those I think we will not find out until the last you know twenty four hours. And see how aggressive it, it's all up to Masai. To me, if he wants to move off him, you know, everybody keeps talking about like, oh, well, Fred Van Vliet, you know, is he going to be moved? We all wondered if Kyle Lowry was going to be moved from the Raptors a couple of years ago, and they didn't, and they just lost him for agency. And I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. necessarily the move you always want to make. It feels kind of similar with Fred. So Fred's turned down a four year, $114 million extension. And he's switching agents. Everybody's like, oh my God, they're going to clutch. They're going to make a trade. They're going to make a trade. He wants out. I'm like, I, to me, that just screams more of he wants to make sure that he gets a max or as close to a max deal in free agency this offseason. That, that, that's what it feels like to me. I don't think Fred's getting traded. We'll see. But he wants a max deal, which would pay him like $35 million a year. We're talking $140 million 
you know, over four years. Is there a team that could be willing to pay him? Maybe. But, you know, it's funny because, like, of course, everybody wants to get every dollar they can. But in the grand scheme of things, that's $25 million more than what the Raptors are offering. I mean, it's a lot, but at the same time, it's not a lot. So, you know, for somebody that could really be building a legacy there, eh, maybe the Raptors <laughs> up that offer. It's I mean, tough. Do you want do you want to spend that kind of money on Fred? Especially I with think his that's age. what it comes down to. That's the thing. It age and being a smaller point guard, because typically in this league, smaller point guards do not age well. Mm-hmm. Typically. We so and then, you know, Gary Trent, he's the guy that probably if they're gonna make a move is the most likely. And we'll see what kind of value he gets for a guy that great score. Really good shooter. Not going to play much on defense, but you know, you know what you get from him. He's going to light it up mm-hmm. and he can hit threes. So, I mean, there is a, there's a big time value, you know, on somebody like him, but I don't, you know, but he's a guy that can become a free agent in the off season. You know, he's got a player option, but um, he's got a value around the league that, that there's going to be some teams sniffing around on him pretty good. Do you think about some of these teams that are not in the race and what they could give up? I know you have some listed on here, but, you know, the Pistons, the Hornets, um, Rockets, Spurs, they obviously have some good talent and and role players and maybe some young players that they don't necessarily want to develop, maybe, um, who could be out there. Orlando, maybe, but they're still kind of in it. But, like, there's some players on those teams that obviously contenders or someone that wants to push themselves toward contender status could use. Oh, absolutely. Like with the magic, like Terrence Ross's name has been out there forever. What could mm. they get for him? They're not getting the first. They get a second round pick for Terrence. Um, you know, what does he make? Like about 13, something like that. Mo Bamba's name has been out there. He's kind of falling out of the rotation now. You know, there's a team option for 10 million on him next year. So. He's somebody that could easily get moved as well. Those would be two guys I'd look at, but it's, you know, if the Magic do not trade Terrence Ross, he was a guy I'd look at in the buyout market. Maybe could be available there. I'm not saying Orlando necessarily wants to do that, but he's one of the guys I would kind of look at. Like, maybe he'd become available there. Um, I don't think Houston's really going to do anything. I mean, you're not getting a first round. They won't come Gordon. off that Eric Gordon. Yeah, they won't come off that Eric Gordon. <laughs> that, that's not going to happen, man. That's not realistic, dude. Um, the Spurs, <laughs> they remember the Spurs. They're the one team that still has a ton of cap space because mm-hmm. Indiana just did the the renegotiation and extension with Miles Turner. Yeah. So remember, they were the, they were a team that was way under the floor, like 27 million under the floor, or, or no, 17 million under the floor. They had 27 million dollars in cap space. So now they've got about like 10, 11 million in cap, but the Spurs are still way under the floor. So, I mean, they're a team that can take out a lot of salary if they want. Um, Pirtle is in his final year. They want it. They want a lot for him. Uh, you know, Josh Richardson, what's he making? Like 10, 11, somewhere around there. Dougie he's McBuckets. in the final year. He could get, Doug's still got one year left, but he's making about 13. But I mean, that's still mm-hmm. not bad, you know, and he'd be going into his yeah. final year. So they've got guys, you know, that they could they could trade and they can take out a lot more salary as well. Those middling so, salaries too. Right. And 
If they do not trade Josh Richardson, he's another guy I could look at as a buyout. Not sure. Once again, it's not just because, oh, guys, in this final year and they're trying to tank, they'll just let him go. There's something to that where some teams just like, we don't want to set a precedent <laughs> because that makes it look weaker in future years going, ah, we know so you're not going to trade that guy. Gonna, we'll just, so we'll buyout market's going to become the new popular thing then. Yeah, yeah, screw yeah. the trend deadline. It's going to be the buyout. It's the buyout well, there's going to be teams that are like, we're not buying this guy out because then it hurts us in the future and we want to try to trade somebody. And we'll, everybody's just sure. going like, ah, yeah, we're not giving up squat for this dude. Like, you'll become available. But, you also give um, yourself a reputation if you get bought out. And yeah, exactly. Young. Yeah, I and mean, plus, like, you lose bird rights. Yeah. You know, that, that can, that can affect point. you as well. You know, that, I mean, that's one of the things. Look at Andre Drummond. What happened with him? I, I was mean, just going to bring him up. I mean, he's a guy, you know, that like, look at once you become a minimum salary guy in this league, it's hard to get off of that. It really mm-hmm. is. So you I get mean, that. You kind of get that. Label. Especially once yeah. you get in the middle or later in your career, you get that label, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Pistons are the other team I would really look at because, you know, their ownership or their front office has said, we want to be good next year. We would have been good this year, except for kid Cunningham got injured. We've Which got is an okay, it's an okay route to take. Right. Because I, I think there's a lot of pressure from ownership there that they want to at least be in the playing tournament next year. So if you trade, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, if you trade Alec Burks, if you trade to Sadiq Bay, uh, how does that affect your chances for next year? Well, uh, they're willing to trade those guys, but they want a very high price. Like they want an unprotected first for for Boyan, who's what thirty three years old, but he's having a career year. I mean, this dude is just putting up numbers. You're like, okay, when's it going to trail off? It doesn't trail off. The dude's <laughs> ridiculous right now. You know, Burks is having a very good year as well. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be traded. I, you know, I think you know Boyan's got a lot of value around the league, but I, I could see Maryland really going to say being traded. I could see oh, no, I could no see yeah. Burks getting traded. And I'm thinking, so you've you mentioned Bay. I'm also thinking Hamadou Diallo. Like yep. some of these guys that get yanked in and out a little bit, especially because they want to give time for some of their younger players to go in there. Like, for example, uh, someone we really haven't brought up much on this this pod, um, Jalen Duran. He's going to need more time. So that that's why it makes sense, I think, for... Nerlens to go bye bye, especially because we we still know that Marvin Bagley's on this team. <laughs> like, right? Hey, he's been hurt. N- Nerlens has not been playing for a while, and he's been talking yeah. with the team with the understanding. It sounds like he's going to get moved. And remember, he makes about nine million, and he's got a team option for next year. You know, so he's a, it's a movable contract as well. Burks makes ten; he's got a team option for next year. You know, for everybody that talks about you know Bogdanovich, and you know he already agreed to the extension, right? But remember, next year is fully guaranteed. The year after that, I believe it's only $2 million of that is guaranteed. Impressive. So it's not like it's huge money committed to for another two years. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be 34. Maybe he is 34 already, but he's 33, 34. He's right there. But, I mean, he's got a game that, that ages well. Yeah, he's 33 sure. right now. But, I mean... His game ages well, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers this year. He's not going to have to depend on athleticism. He could be a stand, he could be a standstill shooter when he gets old, but right now he's not he's, a standstill shooter. He's, he's getting to the rack, and he's right. and he's also you know getting the most two point jumpers that I think he's gotten since his, his career since his career started. 
That's I think that's the, that's another big thing. Like he, I mean, he's really killing he's it. He's unbelievable so far. So mm-hmm. I mean, and plus the other thing is too, he's he's not going to bring anything defensively, but he's not a bad playmaker as well. No, like he's averaging no, he, about he four. Well, three assists a game, four rebounds, but I mean, he can shoot. That's all you care about, man. He's shooting almost 42% for three this year. You don't want to take away from his abilities, but if you want elite corner three shooter, it's him. <laughs> yes. It, it, it is absolutely him. There has been one place where he has not been a quote-unquote elite corner three shooter, and that's when he was in Washington. I'm looking right now. Like, this is a ridiculous corner three percentage for his career. It's 44.4%. He's averaging six attempts per game. Yeah. And if he goes to a team that's better. And that's overall. That's that's, that's regular threes. That's just not what we always say. But I'm just saying, like, if he goes to a team, you know, where he's going to be asked to be the third guy or whatever, you would think he's going to get some open looks. He's going to get he more knows how to do now. that too. Like, like yes. he hasn't been like, like I don't want to say like he's the guy in Detroit right now. Like, I mean, he's almost on that kind of like Jeremy Grant kind of path, like where he got his big deal and now he's, you know, taking advantage of the usage. Right. Uh, especially with Kay Cunningham out, this kind of worked like perfectly in his favor. Um, but he knows how to play that third role, like that third man role. He knows look what happened, you know, He's in Utah, Donovan Mitchell and, and Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. He knows how to play off guys like that, right? Like you look at him playing in Indiana when they were on a really solid track and they had Victor Oladipo was the guy and Domas Sabonis were, you know, were the guys. He knows how to play these roles. I, I, I think that those experiences over the last, you know, five some years, has really played in his favor. And um, teams want that. I, I think well, they would be willing to give up a first rounder for that. But you bring in the That's the whole age, question. Because if you talk about the, the age, and he's not bringing anything defensively, and he's not an elite rebounder as well. He's an elite shooter. So that's the question. Because it sounds like Detroit's like, we want an unprotected first. Or maybe you could talk them down to where it's like top, five protected or something like that. So let me ask you this. If you're a team that's out there and there's, you know, we've heard the Lakers, we've heard um, uh, the Pelicans. There's a couple other teams that are going to be out there. Would, would you meet that value when it comes to, to bogey? If you're shooting depleted or you're trying to keep your foes away from adding a terrific shooter, and, and terrific tertiary secondary player. Yes. If you have picks, I would do it. I, I would yeah, give up you a have first picks. for Bojan. I would. Yeah. I would. I would too. I know some people like are clutching the pearls when it comes to their picks. And like you said, not all first round picks are equal. No. But like he's such a good shooter and I'm not worried about the age of him yet, man. I'm, I'm just not. That that I I would not be scared off of a trade when it comes to him, and no. I mean, and good for the Pistons by the way in getting him in the first place without having to give up a pick to get that dude sure. you know, before the season. So oh yeah, you know no, that was a tremendous him, job stealing him from the Jazz. Speaking of the Jazz, 
So like, I mean, they've been such a great story this year, you know, they're, they're 526 and 26, but they're still talking about trading some guys. Like they've got Mike Conley. They got Malik Beasley. Um, it sounds like Jordan Clarkson, like ownership loves him. Fan base loves him, but for the right deal, he could be moved. Kelly Olenek, you know, is out there. It still feels like they're going to be active. It's just who and what, because Danny Ainge is always going to maximize value. They're not giving anybody away, but I think they're definitely open to, to moving guys. I think Utah could both be a buyer, buyer and a seller, if that makes sense. A buyer <laughs> for investing into your future. Seller as in some of these guys. We're trying to open up time for guys like Ochai Baji. We're trying to open up time for guys like Colin Sexton. You know, Walker Kessler is clearly one of our our stones here. Well, what are we going to do? We got we got to get more time for some of these younger guys. So it totally well, makes sense. They, to some of them they've already put out there that the guys they will not talk about are marketing, are Agbaji, um, Kessler. And, I'm assuming and Kessler. Those are the three. Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. else, even Jared Vanderbilt, sounds like they'd be open to moving. The, you yeah. know, I think they've just taken him out of the starting lineup even. So, you sure. know, he's a younger guy that's got some interest. I mean, he's still not a very good shooter, but he brings some other, you know, things to the table. But I think like, you got to move one of the young guards. I mean, Taylor Horn Tucker, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You got you got my guy Colin Sexton there, who's, you, you know, like some of these, these rotations is just not fair for some how many guards are out there. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny because when, you know, this report came out, and it was echoed by some other places that said, well, those are the three guys that Utah is not interested in trading. And Sexton wasn't on that. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, wait. Mm-hmm. Now, there is, I have not heard his name come up in any kind of trade no. rumors or anything. No. But, it, and I just don't see them moving him. I just, I just cannot see that right now. He's too young. They just got him. Yeah, you know, they've got a good deal on him. I don't see it, but I'm, I'm curious if a team would go sniffing around on Colin Sexton. But I mean, they've got some other pieces. Like, I don't think they're anxious to give away Mike Conley. But at the same mm-hmm. time, if the right deal came along, you know, they would be willing to do it. Same with Clarkson. I mean, Beasley to me seems like the guy most likely to move. And and his name has come up like maybe attaching Jared Vanderbilt to that, you know, so they could maximize value there. Because for Beasley, I don't think they would get a first round pick. But for both of those guys, I think it would have to be a first round pick. I don't know how well protected that would be, but that's that's doable numbers wise. I mean, combined, I think they make about 18. So that makes sense. And you get Beasley, who's a shooter, but that's all he does now is shoot threes. Like his game mm-hmm. has been so refined. He's become like a specialist. Yeah. I. It's tough, I think, for the Jazz just because of their roster construction. I think... Again, I, I kind of harped on it before, but you got to get some of these younger guys some time on the floor together. Uh, it's more about next season, though, with them. It's, it's more about moving yeah. forward. They, they are it not is. going to let this trade deadline disrupt disrupt what they're trying to do in a rebuild. No. And what's good, the rebuild's going perfect, man. I mean, they've built some winning oh. habits. I know that they haven't been, you know, there are 500 teams, so clearly they haven't always been winning. But the way they started the season, the way that they know how it feels... And to still have some of those veteran presences, you know, I think uh, they could see, you could see them moving those vets because the the guys are learning, right? The guys have learned and 
I know it's not that long of a time together, but and you keep JC around. I don't think Clarkson's going anywhere. I really don't. I think I don't either. I, I was JC, trying to think, I think about JC's that. JC's like, a jazz man for for a while. Where I mean, I was trying to think of like who would really go after him because he's JC? a score. I mean, he's yeah. a good score off the bench or a good score, you know. But he's not an elite shooter. So, who who do you think would go after him? I, or where would be a good fit? Uh, so, I mean, I, he's, I'm pretty sure he would not accept the bench role at this point in his career because he's really found a groove as a starter. You, you, know, who, you know who actually is a funny fit? And this isn't the star they're looking for. I think Dallas would be interesting. For Clarkson, yeah, I do because he ain't he ain't afraid to take it, take it to the rack, shoot a three, take shots. That's that type of mentality I think could actually fit really well in Dallas. I think he'd fit pretty good. I wonder if he would fit well in Brooklyn. That's tough because you have Kyrie and KD who are two of the best jump shooting ISO type players. Right. I don't think you got three of those on the floor. That's tough. Yeah. I, I think that's too difficult. The Knicks would be a different story. I think the Knicks would be, I don't know if he would be a guy the Knicks would target, but I think he'd fit pretty well there. You do? Yeah, I do. I mean, they could use right. somebody else. They could score from the backcourt alongside Jalen. But it's not like you're adding another guy with defense. Let's put it that way. No, there's a lot of players that don't like if, that. But if, I mean, he, if he accepted a if, if he accepted a bench roll, I'd love him. Yeah, like, on the Clippers, it'd be a Clippers totally different make story. A lot of sense. Well, it sounds like the Clippers, you know, they really want a point guard. So it's just like, but yeah, who is that point guard? Van Vliet apparently is what the the rumor is. That you know, the big target would be. I don't Van think Vliet. they got enough, and that get, makes well, it, it that makes sense. It, by the way, just with with Kawhi and knowing that history or whatever, it does. But I mean, but who do they have to? give back is the question yes right uh i don't know how that would exactly work and then i mean luke Kennard would have to be in that deal mm-hmm. um reggie well the other the other name that's been attached to the clippers at point guard is mike conley so that, i mean that makes sense it, and and i feel like conley has a ton of respect from tyloo like at least from hearing how he described Mike Conley in the matchups against the Jazz when he was in Cleveland. I mean, I got to look ahead. What picks the Clippers actually have here? Um, so they actually do are getting out from under the, the OKC trade. They have their 2027, 2028, 2029. I believe God, that's Those are way have. down the road. Those are way They're down, down the road. roads. Hey, go look at the Lakers. See what they will get you. Um, Sorry, not when the Jazz were in Cleveland, when Memphis was in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I'm losing time. Losing track of time, guys. <laughs> so, I mean, they, <laughs> they've got some picks, but they're down the road. You know, you know. even apparently Kawhi Leonard has said, like, yeah, we need a point guard here, man. Sure. <laughs> we, 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 no, we, need, we, we need this. So, I mean. They're going to the have the guy hands with- most of the time. Well, I wonder when it comes to point guard, the, another guy that I'm looking at that's actually playing pretty well, especially as of late, 
is D'Angelo Russell, even though he can be kind of a um, float around in his own headspace, shall we say, at times. But sure. remember, he's in the final year of his deal, and I don't think the Timberwolves are interested in extending him. And they I think don't that's a move they wait or- for at the end of the year. I don't. I don't think that happens at the deadline either. I don't think a lot of these these deals happen at the deadline. I think they're more but like what, off season conversations. Yeah, but with D'Angelo, like they could lose that cap slot, you know, and that's a big one, like thirty million dollars. So does that mean yeah. they got to move him now? And but I mean, it's easier said than done. Like, oh, we don't want to lose that cap slot. I'm like, well, where are you going to trade him? And what are you going to get? You know, it's yeah. a, I mean, you kind of screw yourself. Look at what happens to the Lakers. Oh my God, we got Russell Westbrook. He's going to be a free agent. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Who wants to take on 47 mil? Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough day. That's what these big bloated ass contracts do, man. I mean, yeah. you have to, you have to make them to, to get guys to stay. And you know, the, the big talk was him and cats chemistry together was, you know, going to be the big thing. And then you got to, you know, a guy like Anthony Edwards coming in and he's just a joy to watch and loves to play the game. And he's the guy that's probably the guy. So, you know, that alters your plans in the snap of a finger. I don't know. Can you control that? I don't know. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't know where you can trade D'Angelo Russell to. That's going to I don't pay either. that price for one. Unless you, unless you find someone who's willing to take on salary as long as you give them assets back. Well, the thing what was, assets, I know some people check What assets do the Wolves have other than players? They don't. They don't have they don't. any. And some it's people empty. tried to connect <laughs> connect the, you know, D'Angelo to the Heat. Like, Miami doesn't want that. Like, for Kyle Lowry, I'm like, no. I mean, I know that Kyle has still got money left ah. on that deal, but that, that, yeah. that, that doesn't make sense, you know, from Miami's standpoint. You know, at the straight deadline, you know, I think the players we look at the most to possibly be moved are going to be shooters or guys that are typically yeah. um, uh, either a shooting guard, small forward. Cause the, the four guys I would look at the most would be Malik Beasley, Bojan Bogdanovic, Gary Trent Jr. And I still think Buddy Heald. You still think because Buddy Heald? I still think Buddy could be out there. I, I do. You're I mean, just holding Pacers, on to this dream, man. I don't know. I don't. No, I, think I, that, that, I think they're hanging on to him. They could, but just, I mean, he's just, at least, year at least for this between. season, yeah, could because he's a guy that they could move in the off season, definitely because he's making around twenty mil. But that his name has been out there a little bit, like kind of in the weeds, and I don't know what the Pacers would be looking to get for him. He's not going to get a first round pick. Maybe there's like, hey, because I mean, they they've got other guys in that position. That's why we were like, oh, well, Chris Duarte could be possibly available. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard his name as lately. You know, so if they Miles move Turner, Duarte, if they move one of these these other guards or forwards, then does that take your opinion anywhere else? Well, I, I mean, if they move Duarte, I don't think they they move healed at that point. But that's yeah. why I wonder, like, could they move healed? Because then, you know, Benner, Benedict Matherin, you know, maybe he moves up to, you know, the starting position. Uh, because this season, you know, they've already they've lost ground. I think that would be a Halliburton. huge mistake. I do too. I do too. I, yeah. I would not because I mean Heald is a good veteran to have around and don't break what's not, what doesn't need fixing. It I maybe it just depends on like, is it mm-hmm. a money situation for them? Is it um you know what they're looking at, what they want to do in the future because it gets them off money? I mean, 
Remember, the Pacers are not exactly a destination for free agents. But nope. if you have that's why they just locked up Miles for trades. two years, two more years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what a what a smart deal that was. You know, Miles got what yeah. he wanted out of that. I mean, Miles got seventeen million dollars more this year, and then he gets two more years past that for around forty-two million dollars, yeah. to where he's still a low number. You know, he's reasonable number. You know, twenty twenty-one per year, and he'll still be young when he is eligible to become a free agent again. So, I mean, it, it, I, to me, that was a win-win deal, you know, for them, sure. everybody involved. And the Pacers still have about $11 million in cap space. So, I mean, that was, that was a really, really good deal, I think, for them. But, you know, well, this trade deadline, man, I, it, what, what about teams want to be aggressive? You had, you had, you had Rozier and oh, God. Hayward and P.J. Washington I, and Jalen McDaniels getting interest. Apparently, the Spurs like him, might look at him in the offseason. Like, well... McDaniels is going to be a free agent in the offseason. I, I think they've almost got to move him because they're going to get nothing for him in return um, because they, they can just lose him outright in free agency. Now, P.J. Washington sure. sounds like they want to re-sign him. You know, they've got his rights. Um, he could become a restricted free agent. So I don't think they're going to trade him unless somebody really paid off the wall numbers for him. You know, Rozier still got years left on that deal. And I mean, he's under contract the next two years for 48 million. And he's got a partial guarantee the year after that. I'm not even sure what that is. I mean, but there's a lot of people around the league that like Terry and for good reason. Um, Hayward's got one more year at 31 million. And I mean, he's, he's back playing again, but you can't trust him because he's so, you know, injury prone. The guy that I would look at probably the most of them to trade is Mason Plumley. Plumley's having a really good season, and you know, I don't think it would cost too much to get him. He's on a reasonable contract of nine mil. He's in his final Left year. Left hand mace, baby. Left hand I mean, mace. He can't shoot free throws to save his life, and it's awkward. Left as hand hell. mace, Watch baby. Him. But that dude can rebound. He plays solid defense, and. He, he's, he's a decent really, playmaker too, actually. He, that's what I was going to say. He's an underrated playmaker, man. These dribble handoffs and different things like that, man. He's really good at, and he, he would be an asset for a team that's looking for, you know, a backup big. Um, backup big. Kings, come on down. Kings would make sense. Hey, man, if the Raptors want a big and they're not looking to make a big splash, you know, do something. Sure. There, there's some, I mean, the Clippers need a backup big for Zubats. You know, I'm not exactly sure what they would do. And the Hornets should think about and should think about giving playing time, more playing time, more playing time to Mark Williams too, because he's been really, really solid. And obviously, no one notices because they're at the bottom of the food chain. But yeah, uh, I, I don't think anybody you know, wants to take on that money that 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 Hayward's owed, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that just can't stand the plum, court. Though, plum, though, mm-hmm. plum, I could see Rozier, maybe. I mean, like I said, you've got to make a commitment money wise. Terry, but you know, he's been playing a lot better over the last, you know, like six weeks. He's a better three point shooter than, than what he has been earlier this year. He's not the best playmaker, but he does enough there. And he's a guy that's been in the postseason. He's not afraid of any moment. I mean, he's had, he's had some big games as of late. So, you know, he, he's a guy that I, I could, I could see keeping an eye on that may be under the radar, but he's a good player. He's a really good player. Yes. But, you know, Charlotte's the team that 
that typically does not like Kelly to Oubre would have been a big would have been a big he target too had he not been hurt. Yeah, and he's not going to be back for about another three or four weeks. So, yep. you know, and uh, who knows? Maybe I mean he could still be included in it if it was a bigger deal to make the money work. But Charlotte's a team that typically does not make big deals up. They do not move off of guys. Things are going to be done in the offseason more than during the season. I feel the same way about the Bulls. We'll go back to them. I think any big deals with them would be done in the offseason. Zach Levine's name keeps getting pounced around, but like he's just starting that extension, man. And I just can't imagine doing a move that big in the middle of the season. And I know Vooch is on the final year of his deal. Maybe he gets moved, but you don't hear too much about him. I think maybe they're going to have to extend him. I mean, the guy that keeps getting mentioned the most there is Caruso. I mean, okay. I mean, I like Alex a lot. I think he's a good player. I don't know what you're going to get for him right now. I mean, you're not going to get this bloated value of two firsts. But do right. they want to move him now or do they want to wait to the offseason? I mean, it, it, it sucks that, you know, a lot of their season has been blown up because of Lonzo Ball once again being injured and not playing. He's not going to play this year. It does. He's, he's just it not. I mean, they, they, they still say. And DeMar's playing terrific still. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, it. It does. It, it really is some some rotten luck for Chicago. And they're still, you know, they're still in it. You know, they're four they games are. under 500, but that may as well be 500 at this point, the way the season's going. They, but, they, it's, every time they take a step forward, it feels like they take two steps back. Yeah. But I, they, they feel like a team, though, that needs to be reconstructed in the offseason. Yeah. Shout out Pat yeah. Williams and Ayo Desunmu, by the way. They are stepping up big time for them. Even though they're not yeah. really getting it done on the winning end, they have won, you know, they have gone uh, 500 uh, since the mid- middle of January. So, I mean, ah, uh, God, it's tough. It's tough to figure it out. It's, fu- it's tough to figure out right. the trade market. It's tough to figure out. If you, if, if you don't know the theme of this podcast, it's parody in the NBA. Oh, is this going to happen or is this going to happen or are they going to stay pat? Well, I wish I had more information for you, but I don't. But maybe we will I, next week. Yeah. Right. I, I think the teams that we're looking at, to me, that I'm looking at the most to possibly make a deal. Phoenix Suns, LA Clippers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Raptors. Those would be my five. Okay. And I think a lot of the Lakers depends on how well they keep doing on this road trip because they're they're one and one on this road trip. And if they lose the next three, <laughs> I mean, they, they really are in a hole. And that's an... That's a front office and an ownership that has been on the fence about trading future assets, and they need to win a couple of games to prove to them, like, hey, we're, we're close to at least getting in the play-in and being frisky, and we at sure. least want to do that. We don't, we don't want another season where we're not in the playoffs. It's tough decisions coming up. Tough decisions. But again, we're going to find out about all this next week, and make sure to keep it tapped and locked into the basketballnews.com podcast network. Also our Twitter and our YouTube and our Facebook. Just look up basketball news. You'll find it. Going to be doing a trade deadline special next Thursday. Possibly Wednesday. We'll see. I'm sure we'll uh, keep you updated on that front. But yeah, just keep it locked in on that and on the site. We'll let you know. That's probably why we won't do a podcast next week because we've got too much trade deadline stuff that everyone's just going to come together and talk about it. It's going to be great. 
Hopefully, it's going to be decently active so that we don't bore you. <laughs> but trade deadline time always gets a little crazy. So uh, until the next time we record Keep It in 94, you can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. You can find Brian on Twitter at Brian Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Spin Davies. You can find him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Once again, we are on Stitcher. We are on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment for us and all of our other great podcasts like the Dunker Spot, the Alex Kennedy Podcast, the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, and the rematch with Aton Thomas. Do it all for us. Keep that podcast network going because we're loving what we're doing. And uh, yeah, again, keep it locked to basketballnews.com. Brian's got the headlines, the news lines, all kinds of lines, uh, keeping it up dated and all sorts of good stuff and we're still doing our interviews and features exclusives awesome podcast guests basketballnews.com we're on top of the world guys so keep it locked in right there and again subscribe rate review this podcast and the rest of ours thank you so much for your support trade deadline next week folks be sure to keep it tuned in to basketball news until our next podcast we'll see you